Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello everyone, welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets network. Great to have your company as we kick off this Wednesday afternoon. As usual, with the call, midday Eastern Daylight Time every Monday to Friday. Uh, the one hour show that's dedicated to uh, looking at 10 stocks that you've suggested and uh, we put them to our expert panel. And uh, what a panel we've got today. Uh, Andrew Whelan from uh, DP Advisory is with us from, uh, from Toowoomba. Um, Andrew, good to see you and getting lots of great feedback from the, uh, uh, from the ETF special we did on the call the other week. Yeah, g'day Koshi, g'day Michael, and yeah, Koshi, it's just been going off like a frog in a sock. Uh, we've been getting uh, plenty of uh, f- plenty of feedback, so thanks very much. All positive, thankfully, and uh, asking when our next one is, Koshi. So no yeah. pressure, but when is All the right. next one? No, no, we'll be doing another one, and of course, uh, that's the beauty of Ausbiz's uh, a streaming service. If you want to go and and look at that ETF special. Um, just put it in the, um, in the search box at the, uh, the top of the page there and you can catch up on it at any time. And those, those ETFs have ge- generally done pretty well since it's special too. They have. Um, and as we know, that's all generated by you, the viewers. So thanks very much for your, uh, for your ideas. That's been great. But um, it's really been interesting even the last couple of days just seeing this sort of market rotation taking place and how these ETFs have been performing. Just as a very brief example, Koshi, you know, your own dominoes, you would have been down around yep. 12% yesterday. Whereas if you'd owned STW, the broader share market one, you would have been up about 07 So it really just sort of shows mm. the the benefit of that lack loss of volatility or lack of volatility but yeah. yeah interesting times yeah thanks for reminding me about dominoes uh appreciate that and <laughs> michael gable from fairmont securities michael good to see you thanks david uh what's your take on the uh on basically it's a bit of a seismic shift isn't mm. it in terms of the market the last two days yeah look it remains to be seen if it actually continues on like that for um a great period of time or not. I mean, we've seen over the last few months, the market gets into these sort of zones where it, it'll sell off this sector and buy that sector. And a week later, it turns on its head and does the opposite Such again. Such a momentum so, game, is it? Yeah, exactly. And um, so look, remains to be seen if that, that actually follows through or not. But yep. I think the key point is that the election is over. That impediment to a lot of people putting money in the market is now over and I think there is a lot of cash on the sidelines to go into the market. Yeah. So I think there is a lot of upside from here. Yes, there'll be some losers along the way, but um, you know, I guess that's what we can highlight on this show over the next yeah. sort of few weeks, few months, um, which ones are worth and getting rid of and which ones are worth buying. And it shows information and like we uh, provide on Ausbiz, mm-hmm. you've got to just be uh, always on top of it, don't you? Take an 100%. interest in it, follow what's going on, yep. uh, get a whole range of different views from experts, and that's what we're all about. So good to have your company uh, between now and 1pm. Before we get into your stocks, I always Q 
kick off with the stock of the day, something making um, news. Osnet is cutting its interim dividend by nearly 7%, despite reporting first half net profit up over 30% on the year, revenue also higher. The payout now sits at uh, four and three quarter percent per share. Um, uh, Andrew, what do you think of Osnet and this decision to cut their dividend, even though um, uh, profits well up? So yeah, Koshi, it's one of these um, infrastructure plays, um, yeah. and it, we've sort of spoken about these guys and girls, uh, Spark, APA, those sort of businesses where they're highly predictable revenue streams. Uh, most of them are regulated, so part of the issue for Osnet uh, is another decision coming in April 21, 2021 relates to uh, what the uh, Victorian government will allow them to charge. This uh, cut in dividend had been flagged and in fact it's uh, the dividend sort of at the high end of the guidance that they gave. Uh, part of it's also because they gave some COVID relief of course which would have been welcomed by their customers. Uh, there's been also some increased capex as well relating to spending on their network. So and Frankly, in this environment where money in the piggy bank, you're getting, you know, 0.1 of a percent, they're still paying 4.75%, 40% franked, uh, still not a bad outcome. So certainly don't mind these styles of investments. Being mindful, though, that long-term bond yields are on the rise, which is sort of a bit of a negative for them. We still prefer Australian Pipeline Trust, but if I was holding these, I certainly wouldn't be selling them. It was a pretty strong result and a fairly defensive type of investment. Would you be getting into it or APA? Oh, I prefer API, but yeah. certainly, certainly nothing wrong with these. And if you're a holder, it's a holder. Yep. Okay. Uh, they, of course, own the, the poles and wires of all the electricity networks in, in Victoria and a few others. Michael, what do you think of Osnet? Look, it's, it's done pretty well, I think, this year. I mean, the high dividend stocks in general have, I guess, suffered over the last 12 months, of course. But this is a sector, as, as Andrew pointed out, where um, it is a little bit more reliable in terms of the dividends. So the other classic yep. high-yielding names out there, like the banks and Telstra, um, you know, those share prices are underwater. So the big risk with going after a company that pays a good dividend is that it usually doesn't have good earnings growth, and you end up potentially losing on your capital. Right. Um, obviously, Osnet's a little bit more defensive. So I guess the key question here is buying it here. Um, Will you, will you potentially suffer some capital downside? So obviously there's no point chasing a dividend that's about 6% a year when you include the franking, yeah. uh, only for the share price to deteriorate over the course of the year. And I think it's a year where most share prices will head higher. So there's a big opportunity cost. I think, look, this is a company where it looks like their earnings are up about 8%. Yeah. Given where it's trading at the moment, I think it's probably getting a bit, bit expensive. So in my mind, there is a risk that the upside in the capital is limited, and if anything, there could be a risk to some right. downside in your capital. So right. I tend to favour companies that pay a slightly smaller dividend, but have decent earnings growth, and that gives me some comfort that I'm not going to lose that on my capital. So whether yeah. it's a Macquarie Group... Look at that, it's a five-year high too. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so you prefer... Uh, I'd who rather, would you prefer? I'd rather give up a few percent in a dividend and have something that might grow 20% over the right. course of the year. So. You, know, you, you look at something like Macquarie Group, I think that'll head higher during the year. Aristocrat, CSL, right. yes, those companies only pay 1% or 2%, but if Osnet could potentially drop 10% in the next 12 months, yep. but these other companies could potentially go up 20%, yep. and I think they're no riskier than, yep. than holding Osnet. I'd rather be in that so space. So in the, in the infrastructure space, mm. what would be look, your look, alternative? Look, this one's, this one's fine. I think right. if you're 
in that space. It comes down to whether you want to be in that space or right. not. Yep. I think if you want so to be in that space, it's fine. Yep. Personally, I'd rather be out of be that elsewhere. space and look elsewhere. Yep. Yep. Okay. Koshi, right. yes. Koshi yes, can Andrew? I just interject? Please. <laughs> it's like being at school. Always. Wheeler, you can yes. always interject. <laughs> Wheeler, yes, present. Um, Michael's raised a really interesting point. Uh, even though he didn't say it directly, it's around total return. And he absolutely nailed it when he said people for many years have been buying banks and Telstra for dividend, and we've seen what's happened there. And he's correctly identified that it's really sort of trying to find those growth companies which may not have as great a dividend in the shorter term, but you've got that capital preservation, if not growth piece. That's sort of what you're saying, isn't it, Michael? Yep, yep. Yep. So really what Michael's talking about is, and an effort, what we've been talking to our clients about is total return. So in other words, you're not only just looking at that dividend, but you're also looking at what you expect the, the growth to be as well. And clients that have got that focus, and some of the companies that Michael just mentioned, like Macquarie, like CSL, like Aristocrat, you can see that total return has been a much better outcome. And in Australia for many years, we've been trained just to look at dividend to our mm. peril really the name of the game going forward the 1990s thinking doesn't work anymore the 2020s thinking is around total return i think it's a really important point that he made yeah absolutely because while the big four banks have given you a decent uh, dividend they've been absolute capital killers yeah <laughs> and, they, and so even this year years. they couldn't maintain the dividend anyway yeah, exactly yeah. all right um michael let's get kick off the uh the stocks that you've suggested uh, joe wants a view on santa santos the big natural gas uh, producer here in Australia, uh, yeah. Indonesia, Asian markets it's in as well. Um, uh, four big LNG projects here in Australia. What do you think yep. of Santos? No, look, I, I like it here. Up until yesterday, it's been <laughs> underperforming. But as you could see, the Santos share price basically tracks the, um, the price of oil and LNG. Right. And look, there have been occasions where Santos has deviated from that. They, have some, they had some debt issues a few years ago, but, but now it essentially tracks the oil price. And right. up until yesterday with, with news that we might see a vaccine sooner rather than later, um, the oil price had been sliding. Obviously there's no demand out there for oil like what we've yeah. seen before. So for me, this is a buy here because I'm looking out 12 months from now, looking at the recovery. Um, you know, there'll be increased demand for energy as we move around again, as we take aeroplanes obviously they use yeah. a hell of a lot of oil so I think with the gap up yesterday and the follow-through today this looks like yeah okay. a buying opportunity with a with a 12-month view um, and uh, a good solid blue chip stock in this thing and if you uh, in the sector and if mm. you're thinking well they're in gas what's it got to do with the oil price but the gas price it really mirrors uh, yeah. the trend of the oil price doesn't yeah, it so exactly and and Santos is one of the top sort of two or three in that sector yes. and, you know you can go to the lower tier um, energy producers if you like that risk but generally if you just stick to the top one or two in the sector and I think Santos is one of them yeah. I think you'll do well over 12 months. Okay Andrew what do you think of, uh, of Santos? Now Koshi I know that you say that these companies are chosen by the viewers and I'm sure they are but it's a South Australian company so you can't tell me it didn't get the first <laughs> run off the back because of that like seriously you can tell us you're amongst friends it's okay yeah, um, yeah. So. Uh, just like you with your Queensland and, and particularly on state of origin day you're even more Queenslander than normal but yes this is a great South Australian company <laughs> yes indeed uh, look we, we quite like it as well uh, it's a really good management team highly leveraged to the oil price so again this vaccine uh, hopes 
is, uh, has been really positive for the reopening of the economy and therefore the oil price and therefore Santos. Um, the results they came out with about three weeks ago were, were pretty good. Um, and the, the new management team has done a, a great job in getting that gearing down. The, the debt levels is now only about 33%. Um, and I like the fact that both the CEO and the chair have also been buying shares. So again, as mm. you know, that's one of my measures are the, yes. uh, are the management team invested with you, which they are. It's really dependent upon where the oil price continues to go. I mean, the oil price is under immense pressure at the moment, albeit it's bouncing up. So I quite like it as a momentum play. Our preferred uh, sort of company in this space is probably Beach, BPT but uh, certainly quite like Santos as well. And if you think the oil price is going to keep on going up, then this is certainly one that you could play as well. So right. I'm a yes. Good wrap for uh, Santos from both Andrew and Michael and the ICL and the that They're a, uh, a good long-standing uh, Port Adelaide sponsor, which is great. Always good to have them aboard supporting our community programs. Um, Andrew, next up, Sally. One, now we're going to look at a Queensland company or Queensland operating business. Uh, Ardent Leisure Group, they're in the uh, the entertainment business in terms of uh, theme parks. Of course, um, Dreamworld has been uh, one of their theme parks, but also in the uh, in the United States entertainment centres as well. Yeah, tough tough space, Koshi, and uh, certainly those tragic events that occurred at Coomera. I think it's about four years ago now, and that tragic loss of life uh, has been devastating, obviously, for those families and the knock-on effects relating to uh, not only sort of the industry but also um, ardent as well and there's been uh, court cases and all sorts of stuff going on with them change in management team change in processes as there should be and so it really has been a few years of contrition and trying to sort of get that business sorted out and then just as things are starting to uh, to settle down of course covid comes along as well uh, which has been sort of uh, another issue that uh, the whole industry has had to deal with. So, look, they're not expecting to make a profit until at least 2022 at the earliest. Uh, I, I can think of lots of reasons not to be there. So, And certainly that US business, um, I think they got some private equity money recently. Uh, so it's under some pressure too. So there's certainly plenty of uh, amber lights flashing uh, a void is what I've mm. written here. Okay. All right, Michael? Mm. No, look, I'm, I'm actually the opposite. This is one that um, most of our clients are holding. So for the last, um, but obviously within certain time frames. So look, for the last six months, you know, I've been banging on about the reopened trade. I guess a lot of um, experts have. You know, we're yeah. talking about a year, where we'll be a year from now. We're looking at the economy reopening, society reopening, what's been oversold, what can benefit from that. Uh, travel stocks, Qantas, Sydney Airport, Webjet. And Ardent Leisure is one of these as well. So this is one that... I'm sure I've spruced it on this show a couple of months ago. Yeah. Obviously looking at you know, increased tourism back into Queensland, back into those entertainment centres. Um, look, the share price is up 50% already just in the last three months, but I think it can continue to kick on over the next few months or so. Um, do I want to be holding it for five years? Probably not. I'll probably be out of it in the next several months. But this right. just forms part of that sort of positioning in people's portfolios of some companies that... We're oversold because of COVID and we'll just benefit from, from that reopening. Um, Arden continues to trade very well. And yeah, as I say, I think it's got further upside even from here around 80 cents. I could see it trading over a dollar uh, over the next few months. So okay. it's, right. it's a and yes from me. Co coming from a low base um, yeah. as well. All right, uh, our next stock to look at is the Loftus Peak 
Global Disruption Fund. Now, Michael, this is mm. a listed investment company, is it? Um, yep. Fund management group? Yeah, it looks like they just listed in the, in last, the last week or so. few days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I had a look at their website, pretty good returns for this fund that's been around it's for, been going for a, while, for a few as years. A, as an unlisted yeah. fund. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it's, it's been going for a few years. Um, their holdings are in a lot of US tech. So obviously, since yesterday, that's been a little bit on the nose. So mm. look, based on previous performance, it looks like they're, they're doing a really solid job. My question would be to commit money into that today, given the rotations we're seeing. Again, I don't know if these rotations are just a one week uh, event and then it's back to business as usual, or are we gonna see six months of underperformance from that sector? I honestly don't know. I think these, these companies don't have an earnings problem. It's just clearly the market's trying to value them in anticipation of a, vi- um, a vaccine That's coming right, in yeah. and bond yields going up and et cetera, et cetera. So I'd just be holding off on something like this. It may well be an opportunity at some point. I just don't know when. So I don't yeah. think you need to rush into it. So do you look at the, um, it is, private investors get to be in their bottom, don't they? When they mm. like something, they want to get straight in. But there are times where you just sit on the sideline and when yep. the trend's against you mm. or turned against you and things are looking a bit muddied and, you know, is the is the plug being pulled on tech stocks after a, a massive yep. year or two, you just wait for it to settle down and, yep. and see whether the this downward trend is here to stay yep. or whether it's short term. So yeah, exactly. don't rush into it. That's right, because even if I'm adamant that I'm correct and the market is stupid, it, yep. the market's bigger than me. So yep. if the market wants to be stupid for six months, let it be stupid, yep. uh, and then we can get in at better prices. But it's always, I think, best to you know, stand back and just yep. let it do its thing. And then when it's clearer, um, then we can you know, invest in something where we're not going to be losing from day one, hopefully. Yep. Good advice. Um, Andrew, what do you think of Loftus Peak Global Disruption Fund? Yeah, Michael's spot on. The market is always right. Um, yeah, look, uh, if you look at the Loftus Peak, it's actually an it is actually an actively is an active ETF. Sorry, I'll get there eventually. It's an active ETF. So it started wow. its life off as an unlisted managed fund, and then yesterday it listed on the ASX LPGT, and it's now actually a active ETF. And if you remember what an active ETF is, is it has a universe that it follows, but then it has certain rules or whatever the case may be to actually try and sort of beat the uh, the index that it's following. So as Michael says, you know, it's got companies like Apple, Google, Alibaba. It's got a particular bent at the moment on 5G, which is uh, certainly a growth area and an area of interest relating to infrastructure. It's really highly concentrated. It holds somewhere between 15 and 35 companies and interestingly can hold up to 50% cash. So you'd never see that in a passive ETF, you know, it just invests in the market. So it is certainly, to call it, it is an ETF, but it certainly is a very um, active ETF, if I can put it out there. The fees are equally uh, quite aggressive. Uh, It's about a one point, from what I could read, it's about a 1.2% per annum management fee. And if you remember, when we look at some of these passive ETFs, um, picking on STW as an example, I think from memory it's about nine basis points. So if you remember, if we're talking yep. percentages, so 100, 1.2% is 120 basis points. Yep. So if you were to compare it to a passive ETF, which is incredibly unfair, but I'll do it anyway, 
STW is nine basis points and all they're doing is they're just following the market. So someone who's just following the market, you're paying nine basis points. The guys and girls at Loftus, who I might add have had some pretty good returns, like over the last three years, they've returned 23% per annum relative to their benchmark, which has returned 10. So they certainly have outperformed by, you know, and it, that performance fee is, uh, sorry, that management fee is well deserved. Um, but they also have a 15% performance fee on top of that. So really what it comes down to is can that team continue to deliver that outperformance? And if they can, that's great because you're doing double what the, the, um, the benchmark they're trying to follow. But if there's underperformance, then you'd have to say, well, why am I paying that 1.2% plus 15% um, performance yeah. fee as well? So from my point of view, I guess I prefer other sort of more active um, ETFs, you know, whether it's like a FANG or a NASDAQ um, or even things like FE, which has got a heavy technology bent. Certainly nothing wrong with this at all. Um, but yeah, I'm probably out yeah. at this stage. Um, so Andrew, why would they take a, obviously, pretty successful performing um, unlisted fund and turn it into an ETF? Yeah, so it gives them exposure to the broader market. I mean, as we spoke about when we did that ETF special a couple of weeks ago, the number, that, that growth in that ETF space has been huge. Yeah. Uh, you're seeing hundreds of millions of dollars of new money a month coming into ETFs, and it really does give them broader exposure to a broader range of investors as opposed to just being an unlisted managed fund. Right. Um, you've also got the sort of the issue of sort of open-ended open-ended funds versus closed-ended funds. So as being an ETF, they can just basically continue to issue units, and those units will tra uh, trade at NAV, that net asset value. Whereas if it's a closed-ended fund, and this is what some of the issue that we're seeing with these listed investment companies, there's sort of only a certain number of units on issue, and they either tend to trade at a premium or a discount to um, asset backing. And we're seeing a lot of um, LICs at the moment, list investment companies that are trading at a discount and how can they sort of try and get it back up to asset backing. So it's really um, getting them exposed to a greater market opportunity and making sure that they trade at asset backing, which I'm sure they have. I'm yeah. not suggesting there's any issues sure. there. It's more just giving themselves exposure to that broader market. Okay, all right. Thank you for that suggestion, Peter. Really good uh, roundup of uh, Loftus Peak Global Disruption Fund there by the guys. Um, Andrew Harry wants a view on Empire, which is one of these listed um, IT service providers um, uh, providing basically IT and telecommunication services to, to business and consulting groups. Um, fa fairly small business, isn't it? Small cap. Yeah, 93 million, you know, if you compare it to some of the bigger ones, you know, Data3 or Dicadata or Ripe yep. or all those, it's not in that realm, but that same area. Uh, heavily aligned to Microsoft, uh, and that's certainly not a bad thing at all. You know, Microsoft have done a great job um, with uh, Azure and moving into the cloud. And that's really where um, Emperor's trying to get to as well, trying to increase that subscription or annuity style income. I think they're up about 55% for the year in doing that. Uh, big focus on the public sector, uh, natural resources and utilities, finance and infrastructure. So they've got their focus in the right area. But I guess if you actually have a look at their results in August, their results in August were um, meh. Um, their, their revenue was down, their EBIT was flat. They have been paying down debt, which is great. Um, interestingly, maybe I've just sort of misread the numbers, but they're blaming the revenue miss on COVID. Now, I think to myself, you know, wouldn't in this environment, you'd actually start seeing a tick up. 
lots of people yeah. working from home and uh, all that sort of stuff. So certainly that was a bit of a, an amber light for me. I do like the fact that they're trying to increase their recurring income and they've done that successfully. They've just had a big win with Western Power, the, the Western Australian Power Generator. So certainly looking interesting, but under that 100 million is a bit of an amber light for me as well, because it means it's probably on not as many people's radar. Um, I'd like to see them continue to pay down debt. I'd like to see them continue that increasing in recurring income streams. So it's it's a watch yeah. it's or a okay. hold. All right. And, uh, and Michael, when you look at the uh, one-year chart, the blocks uh, show that it's pretty illiquid too, is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the average volume per day is about $37,000. So right. that means if you were to buy it, I wouldn't want to be buying any more than about five grand, I think, right. as a max, just to make Otherwise sure I could... the market. Yeah, and just, yeah. just so if something happens, I can actually get out yeah. um, all my units. So look, I picked up on the same things that Andrew did in terms of the flat earnings. Um, in a year where it probably shouldn't have been flat necessarily. I mean, as a positive, the chart's going up. I don't think the valuation is massively demanding, but um, yeah, lack of liquidity and lack of earnings growth in the last year, to me, just yep. means but don't, don't need to bother yeah. with it. Um, and when you say don't need to bother, bother with it, it is, you've got so many other options out there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> in, in I feel that space that are doing really well. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, part of me, feels bad saying I won't buy it because it sort of implies that it's a poor company. It's not a poor oh. company, it's just, others are better you know, there's just, just others that are better, that's yeah. all. So apologies to anyone yeah, that yeah. works there. It's <laughs> nothing to do with the business, but no. um, yeah, I think there's better opportunities. And, and we're, we're talking complete uh, investment returns here for uh, outside yeah. shareholders as yeah. well. Um, our fifth stock, uh, Rachel wants a view. One of our, our oldest companies here in Australia, uh, has a heritage dating back to 1824, uh, the largest basically cattle and beef producer um, in the country, Australian agricultural company, um, and um, company operates its own feedlots and farms, and would you believe, only in Australia basically, um, the farms encompass six and a half million hectares of land in Queensland and Northern Territory. So this is really at the heart of the Australian cattle industry. Mm. Um, Michael, um, how's it performed? Look, the share price hasn't really performed well over the years, unfortunately. I mean, if we have a look at what's been happening in the last few months or so, the company has said that COVID hasn't really impacted their business, which is fantastic. And I think the other concern for investors would be um, exports to China, but China accounts for about 15% of, of their earnings. And, okay. and, it, and according to the company, it looks like only about a third of that may well be affected by, by these, these import bans in, in China. Yeah. So look, that's, that's fine. Um, obviously this company can be, I guess its earnings can be quite volatile because of the weather. And I guess as an investment case, it just concerns me of that, um, you know that that sort of volatility, that uh, unexpected um, potential to to hit their earnings, uh, and that's been reflected in the share price over the years. So their revenue um, hasn't been growing consistently over the let's say the last five years, uh, and the share price has basically followed suit. So again, I'm sure it's a great business; they yep. produce great products, um, but you know I think there's better opportunities elsewhere okay. in the market. Uh, Andrew, what do you reckon of AACO? Are they um, sort of a de facto index for the agricultural sector or, or particularly the, the beef sector or not? 
Oh, beef sector, yeah. Queensland company, so, you know, we, we love it anyway. But um, And they have a product, Darling Downs uh, Beef. So, you know, what, what, what could be wrong with it, Koshi? Um, they, they, they operate or run around 400,000 head of cattle. Let's just think about that for a moment. That's wow. a lot of protein running around. Uh, and as you said, there's over 7 million hectares uh, in their portfolio. So it's in essence also almost like a bit of a quasi-listed property trust as well. Uh, but Michael has nailed it that, you know, they're susceptible to drought. And obviously up until recently, that's been a big issue. Another uh, concern is about 15% of their revenue is from China. And uh, we've got some friends, uh, some issues with our friends in China at the moment, albeit uh, not all the processing plants that process uh, uh, AACO beef is under pressure, around two thirds of them are. Uh, CEO has been increasing their holding by about 40% over the last 12 months, which is great. Um, probably waiting to see what those results are. They last announced their results in May, so you'd have to think some more results coming for them soon. So uh, I'd probably would be holding off, waiting to see what those results look like. There's only one broker who follows them, which is a bit of an issue relating to sort of having that market depth or market research on it. But as Michael says, it's underperformed for, for quite a period of time. But if, you, if I look at my clients that did pretty well in COVID, one of the few that did pretty well were my ag clients, my farming clients. So as a, as a defensive posture, uh, quasi-listed property trust, food, there's lots to like about it, but as a starting point, I'd like to see what those results look like and what's the impetus, what's going to turn it around. Sure. Okay. All right. So uh, thank you for that suggestion. If we can just uh, recap the first five stocks halfway through the call at the moment. Uh, stock of the day was Osnet. Uh, a no from uh, both Michael and Andrew. Michael would prefer to go into uh, more growth-oriented uh, stocks that not only pay a reasonable dividend, but you can get some share price movement like Macquarie Group and the like. Um, if you want to stick to in infrastructure, um, Andrew prefers APA, which is the uh, the pipeline infrastructure business. Uh, Santos, which is already in the calls portfolio, so when it comes back up into um, into adjudication by any panel in the future, if it doesn't get Unanimous, yes, it comes out of the portfolio. If it does, it stays there. And um, both Andrew and Michael um, uh, are saying Santos stays in the calls portfolio. Both like it. Uh, and all, uh, another uh, stock to look at in this sector uh, from Andrew's Beach, who he likes that as well. Ardent Leisure, a no from uh, Andrew, a yes from Michael. Uh, Loftus Peak Global Disruption uh, Fund ETF, a no from both. Uh, Empire. Um, a watch from um, from Andrew, a no from Michael, and a no for Australian Agricultural Company. As I said here at the call, we've been tracking our own portfolios since the 1st of July. Any company that comes up, any stock that comes up on the call, and both our experts like it, goes into the portfolio. And uh, if we look at how we've been going, we've been riding the rebound of the market um, the last week. The return's been up uh, just under 6% for the month, 2.5% and since the 1st of July, 18 and 3 quarter percent. Now, some of the stocks that have been added recently, uh, Ridley, Deterra, Clinabel, uh, Globe and Qantas. Some of the stocks taken out recently were Link Administration and Novanex. Now, if you want to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio, Go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. We'll keep checking how it's going. 
Um, also coming up next on the polls, uh, DC2 uh, launched on the exchange yesterday with a capitalisation of uh, 11.7 million. We catch up with the chief executive, Justin Thomas, fresh from the first day of trade. That's in the next hour right here on Ausbiz. All right, let's get uh, stuck into the, our, our final five stocks for, for this hour. And uh, Andrew uh, Fisher and Paykel Healthcare Corporation, New Zealand-based company, um, a medtech, you could say. It's in the development, manufacture and marketing of products in respiratory care, acute care, surgery, uh, treatment for sleep apnea, and, and regarded as one of our best healthcare stocks, is it? Yeah, look, lots to like on this, Koshi, and probably my favourite company out of all the ones we're going to talk about today. And uh, when we were talking uh, ResMed a few weeks ago, I said this one should be also in your uh, watch list or even in your portfolio, and I still believe that's the case. Uh, they, as you said, New Zealand-based, uh, they sell into about 120 countries, so it really is a global company. 70% uh, of their revenue comes from hospitals, about 30% from sort of home care, have obviously sadly been a, a beneficiary of COVID relating to respirators and so forth. Um, if you, and I know you just had that chart up, but you know, up 63% for the year, up 34% for the last five years. And if we compare that, is the chart we prepared earlier. And if you have a look at the ASX over that same period of time, over that last five years, the ASX is up 8% per annum. So up 8% relative to these guys and girls, up 34%. So quality business, very relaxed in buying these. I like it. Okay. Uh, Michael? Yeah, look, I agree. It's a great business. Um, I wouldn't be buying just yet. I think there seems to be that bit of a rotation out of it happening because of um, potential vaccine. There's a perception that the benefits that these guys had because of COVID may start right. to diminish. Um, obviously, ResMed's a, a competitor. ResMed's the one that we hold for, for our clients. I'd be my preference would be to stick with with ResMed. It went yep. ex-dividend today, so yep. if it's soft in the next few days, I think that's another opportunity. Um, but look, just given the perception, as, as we mentioned earlier, we need to pay attention to what the market's saying. I think the market will push this a bit lower, um, judging by the way it's trading. And um, at lower levels, I'd be happy to buy something, you know, potentially closer to 28. Yep. Um, but that's just me trying to you know, find try, a... Try to gain the yeah, market. Just, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's fair that's it. Just yeah. try to get that, that edge over time, just, yeah. you know, with, with yeah. my entry prices. So, look, for any viewers that want to pick it up, I'd, I'd be patient. But as Andrew said, top class company, um, you know, if you can get at the right levels, you, you'll do really yeah. well. Okay. All right. Um, thank you for that suggestion, Charles. Appreciate it. Um, William, now, Michael wants a view on Max 7 Technologies. Now, these guys develop software so that healthcare um, sort of professionals mm. can share diagnostic images um, uh, with patient care. You know, the big x-rays that go up and don't, rather than hold them up, you just now email them yep. or put them on platforms, which makes it easier to diagnose, doesn't it? And they've really captured a real niche in that market. Yeah, look, to be honest, I, I wasn't really familiar with this one. I mean, it sounds very similar to, to say, a ProMedicus, which... Yep. Um, which I'm familiar with, but obviously it looks like they're doing a really good job. They've signed up some some new clients recently. It's a it's a good technology there. They've been, you know, the company's been growing really well. So 
nothing really wrong with it, to be honest. Um, I guess it comes down to if you are looking at others in the sector like a ProMedicus, this one's uh, got a much smaller market cap um, and I guess the, the potential risks that, that come with that. Um, obviously, it's not on everyone's radar. It wasn't, wasn't on mine. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of the way it's trading, again, I think this one could get cheaper. It looks like there was an uptrend there that, that got broken a few weeks or so ago. So, um, again, good company, which will probably get cheaper in the, uh, in the short term. That should give investors a better entry point. Um, I'm looking at a chart here. Probably closer to 80 cents would be a, a good potential level for it. And, um, yeah, look, a lot to like, but I'd, I'd prefer a yeah. better level. Okay. Uh, Andrew, is it fair to describe it as sort of a baby ProMedicus? I think so, and certainly that US exposure, it's about 70% of their uh, revenue now comes from the US. So uh, they've just recently done an acquisition of a business called uh, Client Outlook, uh, $40 million. So for the company this size, that's a pretty chunky acquisition. Yep. And um, seems to be already going all right, but uh, I guess I'm always just mindful whenever companies are sort of making uh, transformational acquisitions, there's always issues relating to culture and um, synergies, etc. So I'd probably be just, Michael's sort of w w looking for that technical uh, weakness and, and the buy, and I guess I'm just looking for sort of how they're executing against their strategy. So I'm a hold, but if you just have a look at that performance over the last three years, up 62% per annum, relative to the market that's only up five. Right. So it's been a cracking cracking investment, but I'd probably um, just wait and see how this client outlook um, be, uh, business is bettered down. But if they can do so, certainly looking pretty promising. Okay, so hold and, uh, and watch out how they go. All right, um, our next stock, Andrew, to uh, take a look at Incitec, uh, pivot the explosives and, and fertilizer manufacturer. It's... Um, not paying uh, a final dividend, um, as expected, just reported uh, uh, net profits of $123 million worth just over $4 billion. Yeah, look, a perennial disappointment, this one. Um, it's certainly plenty of promise, but uh, not a great deal of delivery so far. Having said that, though, the last lot of results were showing some promise. 90, I didn't realise this, but 94% of their revenue now comes from explosives. Whereas oh. uh, in the past, when I've looked at it, it was you know very much more that fertiliser side. Only a fertiliser, yeah, I didn't realise that. Yeah. But 94% of their revenue now comes from Dino Nobel, which of course uh, way back when came out of Orica and was listed for a yep. period of time. Um, they're being impacted by a structural decline in the coal market, which is obviously a concern for them. Uh, COVID has impacted them as well. But what they're hanging their hats on, from what I can read, is sort of uh, an increase in infrastructure spending, increasing in, in housing as well. Uh, if you have a look at the chart, well, you can see the chart there, but again, just some eye-watering numbers, down 41% for the year, down 16% for three years, and down 9% for five years. Mm -hmm. So it's been really disappointing. I like the fact that the chair and the CEO have been increasing their holdings over the last 12 months. That gives me some comfort that they're really hoping to execute well. Uh, that certainly the thematics around housing and infrastructure could play out for them as well. But their last five years track record doesn't really support it. So I'd like to see them actually do some more work before I'd suggest people look at it. Okay. Michael? Um, I'd also not be buying this one here. So again, because of that um, exposure to, to coal, it's a bit on the nose. Maybe yeah. maybe the market's marking them down too much because of that. But 
Um, look, it's clearly, uh, you know, there, there's clearly a trend when it comes to it comes to coal and, and, and IPL suffering. Um, and, and, the, and the other thing is this, this phase of the economic recovery is good for resource stocks. So, mm. you know, IPL's going nowhere and, you know, all the others should have further upside. So I think Fortescue looks good here. Even BHP, we're buying some more BHP today. So I think if you want some sort of exposure to that materials resources sector, I don't think you need to, to get it through IPL. Them. There's, yep. you know, the big Aussie BHP, great dividend. Yep. Fortescue, great dividend. Share price is going up. To me, it's, uh, you know, those are clear buys and this is clearly... Look, I had a chance to, if it can break through 220, so coming back to charts, yep. if it can pop through that, um, that's where all the selling has been, then it might have a bit of a run. Right. Um, but until then, it just looks like it's going okay. to drift. And, and as Andrew says, it's one of those companies that just just doesn't quite meet expectations when it needs to as well. Yeah, exactly. They had um, some results yesterday and it was a bit, you know, yeah, no, I think um, nothing special. Yeah. yeah, okay. All right, speaking of special, Michael, Tanya wants a view on Kogan, the big mm. online retailer, which has ridden, like a lot of online retailers, yeah. uh, ridden this COVID wave to absolute perfection mm. and uh, to the point where some of the founders have been taking profits as well, um, yeah. which, which we'll get uh, see whether that uh, worries Andrew or not. He always looks out for that. But uh, what do you reckon of Kogan at the moment? Yeah, look, when it, when it comes to the director selling, Kogan hasn't really done it as as, as cleanly as, as some other companies. They've sort yeah. of yeah, they've they 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 seem to pick the wrong moments when it comes to, to selling shares, but. Um, Look, the, the share price has done fantastically well since yeah. since March. I mean, this is one that um, look, I didn't buy it in March, but you know, we're a bit late to the party, but but we've we've been able to trade this. Um, very interesting price action, obviously, over the last couple of days. Yeah, you can um, see that it's taken a bit of a hit. Yeah, exactly, and it comes back to the comments at the start of the show. You know, are we seeing a rotation away from IT stocks? Is there a, a valuation question? There, um, I don't think that that if we get a vaccine, Kogan would be adversely affected. I think it's um, it is one of those companies that if you're using it now, you'll probably continue to use it, yeah. um, even if you can wander out to a, a bricks and mortar store. So it just comes back down to, to to the valuation. The market's trying to grapple with that at the moment. I don't know who's going to win the battle at the moment. It seems to be sitting at fairly good support around these sort of 19 to 20 dollar levels in the past there's been good support for Kogan. So I'd give this one the benefit of the doubt. I'd be happy to hold right. and just see how the next sort of few days or so plays out. Again, it might just be a storm in a teacup and, and, and tech continues on. But right. um, yeah, look, I don't think that, as I said earlier, I, I don't think that a vaccine is going to massively affect Kogan. They're not producing sanitizers, not producing something mm. which is only beneficial in a COVID environment. Yeah. Um, clearly there's been a bit of a structural move towards these online retailers, Temple and Webster as well. Yeah. Um, so just, yeah, comes comes down to valuation. We'll see We'll right. see who wins the battle. In the so are days. you saying stay on the sidelines for all of those listed uh, retailers? I'd, I'd be happy to continue holding in this for, right. for the moment. Um, whether I commit more money, I'd like to see the next right. few days how it all pans out. Okay. Andrew, what do you think of Kogan at these levels? 
Oh, the trend is not your friend. Uh, my my first note is smashed 17% yesterday. So uh, the trend is absolutely not your friend. And I see they're down about another 3% today. Uh, I mean, the thing that I find most interesting about this whole rotation piece, and we'll just pick on Kogan, like are people, just because there's hopefully a vaccine, suddenly going to change their habits? I mean, get real banana peel. People have had nine months where they've really been able now to sort of have the convenience of online shopping. And sure, people might go out and shop a little bit more, but I know I get texts from Russellan, not personally, but from Kogan every week, you know, check out this TV or have you got your health insurance covered or whatever the, the latest thing that they're pushing. So, yeah, I, I think the, the uh, shift towards online shopping has really been brought forward three years and about nine months based on what we've just gone through. So thematically, I'm very happy with online. But if you look in the short term, there's lots of pain. There's, there's the, the rotation. I mean, a lot of the momentum players, uh, they're bailing out as well. So yeah. we just really need it to sort of find a bottom. But in the context of the underlying business, I mean, it's a 25% return on equity relative to Wes Farmers, which is arguably the best retailer in the country doing it at 21% and forecast to grow their earnings at, you know, 52% per annum. Yep. So um, look, the PE is out there at 42 times, but if you're growing your earnings by 50%, you know, the old peg ratio, then yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to buy it, but I wanted to see all the panic stop for a few days right. and everyone just have a cold shower, settle down and then get stuck into it. Okay, because uh, my next question would be, uh, because it's not just Kogan, um, uh, Nick Scarley's been hammered, Templar Webster, JB Hi-Fi, all terrific retailers. And as you say, Andrew, I think it's changed the shopping habits of Australians forever. It's not going to, we're not going to rush back out to the shops and, and pick up the old habits. It will probably move halfway. So is it worth looking at these sorts of stocks, waiting for the market to, uh, to crunch them, settle down, and that becomes an opportunity? 100%. So I would be, I mean, it's, it's fine to have the shopping list uh, and you identify the ones, but, and Michael's been doing this so well in this presentation, I've been just going, yeah, it's fine. You know, he's been far more forensic and he's saying, yes, but look at the trend line, look at the entry point, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Uh, I think this is a classic example of where this will really pay uh, dividends for you, no pun intended, by actually waiting for that market to bottom out, waiting for the hysteria to pass and the craziness and the momentum and the stop losses and whatever else is going on. These are substantial businesses that are playing into a change in the thematic and changing into people's behaviour. It's not a buy at the moment, but when it does, that's yep. the time. I mean, you, you yep. spoke about some of the online ones that got crunched. I mean, Woolies and Wes Farmers got crunched yesterday, for yeah. goodness sake. It's yep. not just picking on these online businesses. It's a an entire rotation towards these businesses that there's a belief that will do well once the vaccine, hopefully, is out and about. So, yeah, it's absolutely ones you have on your hit list. And Templin Webster is another one that I'd have right. at the top of the so list. So are they the, the two picks for you? If you had, you know, you've got to have a diversified portfolio. If you had two retailers in your portfolio, what would be your two picks? If you'd give, if you'd give me three, 
yeah. I'd throw Wes Farmers in there because Wes Farmers right. is, a, is a, you know, like if you don't have yeah. Wes Farmers, help, help me out here, Michael, please say yes. Uh, <laughs> if you don't have Wes Farmers, then, you know, you need to have Wes Farmers. I mean, it's yeah. it's just one of those core long-term holdings like CSL, you know, yeah. you just hold it. Uh, yeah. But if we're talking more in the pointy end, for the want of a better term, then certainly... Um, uh, Kogan and you'd have Temple and Webster. I'm quite partial to JB Hi-Fi as well because right. I think they're actually doing a pretty good job in that sort of hybrid model and the integration with the good guys. But if you're pushing me for just two, uh, yeah. Kogan and Temple and Webster. Uh, what about you, Michael? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, right. Kogan, Temple and Webster. Right. Yeah. And and Wes Farmers, are you going to back him up? Because no, look at yeah, look, Wes it's Farmers fantastic. is almost like a list of private equity yeah. groups. I mean, the, they do it pretty well. The way they run Bunnings is just just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but Wes Farmers actually did have a look at the chart before the show, and that's another example where I think that'll get cheaper. So ah, for those that okay. like Wes Farmers, you can um, you Put can be a little bit, bit patient. Look, I guess guess the argument against everything you know, we're saying. So if I try to play devil's advocate with myself, yeah. I mean, I guess I can understand that if there's a vaccine and the economy reopens up, there might be less, less of your discretionary money will go into buying stuff in the house. You'd use it to go on a holiday or to a restaurant. So yeah. I could see that point potentially, but agree with Andrew that, you know, we've, we've come a long way in our, yeah. in our understanding of, of how to shop and, and that's not going away yeah. overnight. But my 86-year-old mother was buying stuff online at the moment, <laughs> which she didn't even think of doing yeah. before COVID, and she'll keep doing it now. Uh, all right, Michael, our final uh, stock suggested by um, our viewer, Tim, uh, Ingenia, is that how you pronounce it? The, um, um, they're so? basically property developer in, in retirement and holiday communities. Yeah, look, they've their share price has done pretty well over the last six months, and okay. it's it's one where because of the, I think the holiday properties they can continue to to do well as you know we get out and about and travel we can't go overseas so we'll yeah. we'll, we'll do stuff locally. Um, they've got plenty of cash. They raised um, some money back in May. They lowered their debt. They can fund a few acquisitions. So the business is doing well. I think there's opportunity ahead of them. Um, doesn't look too expensive. Uh, it's a bit of a slow mover, so again, it comes down to, yeah, it's a good business, but do I have other opportunities? So for yeah. me, if I'm playing that, people going out and traveling more and, and having holidays, I'd be doing it via companies like your Qantas, Webjet, yeah. etc. Ardent Leisure. This one you could probably say is part of that, uh, but not as leveraged because uh, you know, a lot of their business is also the, the retirement, retirement home. So, you know, they own yeah. some property and, and that should do well. But yeah, ultimately business, I think, can do well from here. Um, is it enough to, if I only want that many stocks and not that many, yeah. um, it probably doesn't make the list. Okay. Andrew? Yeah, look, I, I don't mind it. And I think Michael's hit it on the head. If I was playing the, uh, the travel trade, uh, to borrow my uh, good friend Henry Jennings uh, quote, uh, I'd be doing more your Webjet, your Qantas's, uh, Flight Centre, etc. But as this is really, we're talking more property trusts, yep. and in particular the holiday space. Retirement homes do worry me. Uh, I've had pretty bad experience as a investor uh, with retirement sort of style villages for 20 plus years, going all the way back to Village Life VLL for those who uh, want to sort of uh, share some of my former misery, and uh, they really. They sort of start off life as a property developer, and yeah, and I'm not saying that's the case here at all. But you know, I guess that's sort of my frame. 
that uh, these sort of retirement village type businesses historically have not had a good time. Having said that, the performance, because this used to be the ING fund, uh, has done incredibly well. I note that the CEO and the chair have both been buying shares, which again is a, a real positive. The thematic is right. Um, consensus on it's about $5.33 versus the current price of about four seventy odd. So there's lots to like as a property trust. Uh, but if you're doing it as a sort of a, a play on, you know, people travelling domestically because they get, at this stage can't go offshore, I wouldn't be doing that. I'd be doing more some of those ones I just mentioned. So it's, yep. it, it's, it's a hold. Okay. All right. That's our uh, final five stocks for our 10 today. Let's just recap them. Uh, Fisher and Paykel um, uh, Healthcare, uh, really good stock. Uh, Andrew um, likes it, uh, so has a buy on it. Uh, Michael, if it gets down to around that $28 mark, is um, he would be interested in buying it as well. Um, he also likes a resume. Uh, Max7, uh, interesting business, a hold from Andrew. Uh, a no from Michael, but if it got around that 80 cent mark, he'd uh, show some interest. Incitec Pivot, a no. Uh, Kogan, um, like all the online retailers, just wait and see how this shakeout pans out that's been going the last couple of days. Uh, there could be a better buying of these uh, stocks. Kogan is uh, a preferred stock of both Andrew and Michael, but it's too uncertain at the moment. Temple and Webster's another one, JB Hi-Fi, all in a similar boat, uh, and Ingenia, a no. Um, Andrew Whelan from uh, DP Wealth Advisory. Always great to see you, mate. Uh, go to Queenslanders tonight in State of Origin. Koshi and Michael, always a pleasure. The dream team continues, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. And Michael Gable from Fairmont Securities, mate. Always good to see Thanks, you Andrew. as well. Thank you Cheers. for joining us. And now before we go, if you'd like to suggest any stocks for us to run through here on the call, be a bit patient because we get a lot of people emailing them. Um, do it via the call at ausbiz.com.au or if you want to put it through Twitter, use the at ausbiz um, TV handle. And another reminder, if you want to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And if you want to get a wrap up of the day in the markets and business and finance, you've got to subscribe to the COB, Close of Business, Nadine and Scuddy. Uh, absolutely free. Uh, give you the rundown of what's been going on during the day. It's in your inbox by uh, 5.30 in the afternoon to subscribe. Go to osbiz.co slash join. And uh, if you're looking at your next investment opportunity, Startup Daily Show um, is always great viewing between 2 and 3 p.m. They bring you the company seeking capital or the latest in the startup and scale-up sector. Uh, Sky Theodoru uh, from Upcover, which is providing insurance to the gig economy, which they say is a $2 billion market. She'll be joining the team between 2 and 3 on the Startup Daily Show. So a lot happening on Ausbiz for the rest of the afternoon. Stick with us. Back after the break.